Welcome everyone to First Baptist Church of Shakota's audio sermon. My name is Jeff Holt. I am the student pastor here. This past Sunday, God fulfilled a prayer of mine that I've been praying for for years. I'm very grateful for this amazing church that they took time to say that they approve of the ministry that I've been doing for all of these years. The ordination took place this past Sunday and it was truly a dream come true and I'm very thankful that it was at this church because the last two years have been just absolutely amazing. Thank you for everyone that came and was a part of this service this past Sunday. You're all truly wonderful. Just to give you one announcement, on December 3rd, First Baptist Church is going to be hosting a community dinner at the Community Center. This is our church's annual Christmas dinner. Our worship director, Jim Davis, also directs the jazz band at the high school. They're going to be performing at this event. This is a great time of food and amazing fellowship. So make sure you mark your calendar for Wednesday, December 3rd at 5.30 at the Community Center next to downtown. We'd love for you also to join us on Sunday mornings. We have a Sunday school time at 9.45. We also have a worship time at 10.55. This past Sunday, Pastor Steve graciously stepped aside and allowed me to preach in his pulpit. God laid it on my heart to understand how to move forward in his will and also abide in Christ. We're going to be looking at John chapter 15 and verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John in chapter 15. Guys, thank you. I want to say a, a special thank you today. Um, I had, I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony that I was going to share this afternoon. You guys will get to hear some of it again later. Um, I was called into to ministry going into my senior year uh, at False Creek. And it was the same week that... I had repented of a lot of things that I had been doing in high school. And uh, whenever that Friday came rolling around, I knew that God had put a calling on my life to be a minister, to work like vocationally in a church. You know, there's, there's some people that know that they're gonna go into missions. There's some people know that they're gonna be Sunday school teachers the rest of their life. And there's some people that know they're gonna go into vocational ministry. And there's nothing wrong with any of those three. Uh, but I knew that whenever God called me into this, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to just do it part-time. I wanted to work full-time in a ministry, work in a church that would allow me uh, to be the leader and become the leader that I have been. And I'd, So at the pinnacle of ministry and where I'm at today, I want to say thank you for allowing me to serve you guys, serve the students of this amazing church. we got one young man right here. I'm kind of jealous of his hair. It's pretty awesome. But, you know, whenever I get called to churches and they come and, uh, and view me, and, and you know, you see the process of where you're at whenever you first started the church and where you're at now. And you know, in, in the period of time that I've been here, I've seen myself grow, and I've seen uh, God instill some wisdom in me because of some of uh, the stories and some of the ministry stories that I get to hear from uh, Pastor Steve and uh, listen to Brother Verby and Brother CR working in the ministry on Wednesday night, and just all of you guys. You guys have poured into me. And I'm very grateful for all of you, each and every one of you. So I'm very, so thank you from the bottom of my heart where, where I'm at today. And so to put the stamp of approval on my, on my calling, on my ministry, and it almost brings me to tears because ever since I found out what or being ordained means as a minister, I've dreamt of nothing since. And, uh, and it's here. So thank you. And uh, so within that umbrella, with the calling that we talk about, Whenever I surrendered my ministry in, uh, in all those years ago, I can't, even, I, I can't even count anymore how many years ago that was, 2003, um, I knew that God was calling me into where I would be today. And you know, as you're, you're following in the footsteps of the will of God, you begin to wonder if you could follow it perfectly. You know, as when I was a child, I actually heard a pastor say that, 
you want to follow in the footsteps of God, you want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, you want to do it perfectly. You want to make sure you stride in each footstep to make sure you don't go left or right, otherwise you may trip over the rocks that, that are not there. And, you know, it, it, whenever I heard that, it was just one of those things that as, as I'm listening, I, it perplexed me what the mystery of the will of God is. And I can't, and it wasn't until this past year that I actually heard a great understanding of what the will of God is. And it's found in John chapter 15, and I'm thoroughly excited to be able to preach this to you guys this morning. A couple of things. Whenever we, we understand the will of God, it's not the footsteps that we follow in. We just, we abide in it. And I'll get to that in just a minute, what that means to really kind of stay within the boundaries of what he is calling us to do. But we also understand that as Jesus is calling us, there's going to be sometimes multiple directions that you feel called to go to. We'll get to that in a second as well. But understand this, when we abide in Christ, when you, are, when you become a Christian, you produce fruit. If you come to a point in your life when you do not produce that fruit, something very uh, instinctive happens whenever you become a person that no longer produces fruit even though you abide in Him. And I'll get to that in a second as well. I'm leading all of this up to tell you a story. So whenever I was learning to drive... Uh, I had a wonderful mother that was very patient with me to teach me how to drive, and she's sitting right here, and I'm very thankful that she's here to, to be with us today. And uh, as she's helping me learn to drive, she tells me something very important. Stay between the yellow and the white line. It's, you have to learn that. It's almost the first thing, one of the first lessons you have to learn to stay between the yellow and the white lines. If you go over that yellow line, it's going to cause some problems for the person on the other side. You stay in your lane, you remain in that lane. You stay in that lane until you have come to the completion of your journey. You know, whenever she said that, whenever she said stay in the white line, she also said something very profound, that if there was any other thing that I learned from that lesson that day, it was this. She said that if you are driving and the oncoming traffic blinds you, look at the white line, it'll guide you. If you can't see the road ahead of you, look to the white line, it'll guide you. It'll tell you when the road is going to curve. It's going to tell you whenever it has a turning lane ahead of it. You can follow that white line. It's there. So today, we're going to follow between the lines. We're going to see what each white line means. And even though we can definitely go across in between, for the analogy of this story, we're going to say that we're going to follow between the white lines instead of the yellow and the, and the, the, yellow and the white line. Jesus, whenever he comes up, he has this story. He has something that is, uh, that is asked of him, okay? But then he goes on and he, he tells this amazing story. And you know, in the book of John, there's, there's seven different features of the I am, okay? And let's read one of them here. In John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Each branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that I may produce more. You already... You are already clean because the word which has been spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear, bear fruit of itself unless it abides on the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you cannot do anything. If, any, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as, as a branch that is dried up, and they gather them up, and they cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, 
and my my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. So prove to me my disciples. So prove to me my prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These are the things that I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be in full. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it has been preserved for this time so we can dive into it, we can see it, we can apply it. Father, I pray that the words that are spoken are from you and you alone. We thank you, Jesus, for what you have done in this time of worship. I pray that you have been blessed and you have been glorified. And our Father, I pray that from here on we abide in your truth. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So there are several things that he actually addresses in this, in this passage that are, they look familiar to the audience that he is speaking to, which is the disciples that he is talking to. The first one is this, the I am statement. The first I am statement is actually mentioned in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10 where he says, Moses asks him, says, who... Who is, being, who is sending me, if they must ask? And he says, you tell them I am is sending you. I am that I am. It is also pronounced Yahweh. So as he's saying this, they recognize. So this is at this point, Jesus is also now declaring that he is God. I am that I am. I am God. So he has made himself equal as of God. He made himself as God in this very statement. You know, at this very moment, if anybody else in the Pharisee world was listening upon this, they could actually capture him and take him away for heresy. But we know that that's not true because he is God. Jesus is God. And so in this moment, he declares that he is who he is. But he also says this. He also declares that he is the true vine. He says, my father has come to me, and my father is the vine dresser, and I am the true vine. You abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. As you walk this line as a Christian, as you go down this path, a couple of things are going to happen to you. As you abide in his truth, you know, there's something that he says here, okay? Look at what it says. Uh, Let me go to this right here. So there's two types of people in this, okay? Those who produce fruit and those who do not produce fruit, okay? But in this very statement of verse 2, they both abide in Jesus. What does that mean? It it means that if you look at it, the idea that if, if you're not producing fruit but you still abide in Christ, it means that that passage where he says in John chapter 10 and verse 28 says, nothing can snatch you from my hand. Nothing can take you. No powers on earth, below earth, and heaven. Nothing can take you from my hand. You are in me. I will hold on to you forever. My grip will never, ever let you go. But what it does here is as we look at this, we see this, and we see this truth of what it understands, that as he holds on to us, uh, a a theologian actually wants to, he doesn't change the, the, the narrative of this story, But what he says is there may be a better translation of this. You know, it says in verse 2 that they will take you away if you do not abide and if you do not produce fruit. What he says is that this may actually be a good understanding that those who do not produce fruit will be lifted up. The same word there that actually means to be taken away also means to be lifted up in the Greek language. So as you are being raised up, there are some things that a vine dresser will do, okay? As you're producing this fruit and if you're the branch... All right, if you're the branches and you're producing the fruit and you're not producing any fruit and you're just laying on the ground not getting the nutrients that you need from the sunlight, 
the vine dresser will come over and pick you up, and he will tie you off to the pole that you're residing on. So then you can, from that moment, produce fruit. You are getting the nutrients that you need in that moment to be able to produce the fruit that you need. And then he goes on to say that those people that are producing fruit, he will prune away the stuff that is going on in your life, the bad stuff that's going on in your life. He's going to take that away so you can begin to produce even more fruit in your life. So the two types of people there is the people that are the, both abiding Christ is one that is not producing any fruit and those who are. And both people today reside in the church. Both people today come every Sunday morning and they say, yes, I am a Christian, but you have to understand who you are. The ones that are producing the fruit, the ones that are understanding that they are a Christian, they produce fruit, they go out and they declare the Christianity every single day of the week. And you can see it in their nature. How can you see it in their nature? How they talk, how they walk how they hold themselves, how they declare that the Bible is instilling them truth. They probably speak more of the Bible than they do of politics. They speak of the Bible more so than they probably do their own children because they know that that relationship is in Christ and Christ alone. So as you see these people that are abiding in Christ and producing all of this fruit, you know that those are the ones that Christ has, and the Heavenly Father has pruned and taken away the bad stuff and is producing much fruit but then those ones that are not that abide in christ but are not producing any fruit he begins to raise up but he also understand when it comes to producing fruit especially when it comes to grapes do you know that it takes on average about three years for a for a vineyard to actually start producing the grapes that it needs that it takes you have to prune and take away, and you have to lift up, and you have to inspect for, for insects and all sorts of other things. And it's a refine. It, it takes pressure, and it takes time. It takes time to cultivate this crop that you're growing up. So as you're being raised up and you're being lifted up, you're going to face things in your life that are going to test you. But what is it that the tests occur from? The fruits of the spirit. As you produce this fruit, which are the fruits of the Spirit, you will understand that God is going to refine you and take away the things that are holding you back. Think about the, think about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Those that are within you, which of those do you bear? Do you produce all of them? It's kind of hard to produce only one without having all of them. All of them go in sync with, every, with, each, with each of them. If you have love, you're going to have joy and peace in your life. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, where it says that if you have love, you're patient and you're kind. You keep no record of wrong. All of these things that Paul introduces to us in 1 Corinthians 13 and Galatians 5... We now understand that this is coming from the spirit, the spirit, and this is the fruit that you produce. This is what you look like as a Christian. So which of those do you not obtain in your life? And as you begin to pray that God gives you patience, that you're genuinely 
going to work on your patience. That you're going to understand people are going to pull out in front of you that are much slower than you when you drive. But you know what else is going to happen? Not just the people that are driving slow on the road. There's going to be a project that's in your life that's going to take some time for you to cultivate. There's going to be some things in your life that you're going to have to work on that you want to get done immediately, but you can't because the process takes time. The process is slow. But in our world today, that's counterproductive. You go slow, you're running out of time. There's no need for all of that. We want to go as fast as we can with as much product as we can. We want to do as much as we can as fast as we can. But that's not what God is saying. You produce fruit, you're going to produce patience. If you produce this kindness that comes from you, you keep no record of wrong. What does that mean? You're able to forgive. Even in the most heinous of moments... Your heart is willing to forgive. In those moments that call on your nature to say, no, I hate this person with every fiber of my being, I will never forgive this person for what they did to my family. But that's not what Christ calls us to. We produce fruits of kindness, of forgiveness. So, and we look at faithfulness. Are we faithful to tithe every week? I'm not going to preach on money, but are you faithful to give each and every single week? When we go, you know, as, as pastors, whenever we go to preach, you know, it sometimes takes an upwards of about 15 to about 30 hours to really kind of focus on what you're going to preach on. You research it, you write it, you research some more, you, you fine-tune it so you make sure that you have the best product available so whenever we go to preach it, we want to make sure that this is the Word of God speaking and not just some opinion that I have, I've made up on my own. But what about when it comes to Sunday school? The material is already handwritten for some of you guys. Are we taking the time to read over it multiple times to research what we need to do? Is the Sunday school moments precious to us? Those times that we have to disciple one another. We want to understand that God is working just in the same exact moments of our discipleship time on Sunday mornings, just as the same exact time that we come here to worship to listen to the pastor preach. So we want to put in that much time as well if we're called to be a Sunday school teacher as well. You know, there's, a, there's the last one up there, self-control. That one hit home for me. You know, this past year, over this last year, God has really put this theme of abiding in my life. And I, I see what God is doing to really help me out. You know, there's all of them. We can always continually want to work on each other. We want to make sure that we're growing in each of these categories. But, the, you know, the self-control part, that is what's really getting to me this past year. You know, the, the biggest problem that I have with myself is sometimes I get angered kind of easily. And you know, it, it may be just some simple thing that could go on in my life, and it may be just, it would just set me off. But then God started to say, hey, you gotta, if you, if you want to abide in me, you've got to have self-control. So as I continue to grow in abiding in him, I know that the self-control has to possess in my, in, in my life to make sure that it, nothing is just going to set me off at a moment's notice. 
I have some family members that are easily angered as well. You know, we get into this temper tantrum that we're not getting things our way, and we're going to make sure that we yell and scream to make sure that we get our way. No matter what it is in our life, we want to make sure that we have self-control. We abide in Christ, we have self-control. Even Paul even says this, that you will not reach heaven because you have no self-control. So what does this mean? How do we know? How do we make decisions when we abide in Christ? On the back of your bulletin, if you want to take some notes real fast, I put a diagram out there for you. And it's based on John chapter 15 here. And we look, at the, we look at this road, and we know that we need to stay between the lines. We want to say either the, the white lines or the yellow line, whatever you want to say. But for this analogy, we're going to stay between the white lines. And as we make decisions in our life, and we want to know that we want to make a decision based on abiding in Christ. Do we, are we producing the fruits? If we produce fruit and we abide in Christ, making decisions and following his will is much easier to make. But we have to make sure that we're in the Word of God to truly understand that these decisions have to be made. So as we look at this, you see the two lines there. How do we make decisions based on abiding in Christ? Well, the first one, if we will look at the white line on this side, is the Bible. When we go to make decisions, are you basing it biblically? Is the organization that you're looking at, is it biblically based? If it's not, run. You don't need to be a part of that because you don't know what kind of schemes are back behind what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what's going on with accounting. You don't know what's going on even with the president. If they are not biblically based and they're making good biblical decisions, it's hard for us to make decisions that way. We can step into it. If you know that God is calling you into this, that God has got a very big purpose for you. And you're going to be spreading a lot of gospel at that moment. So be ready for that. But understand that when you go to make a decision, is it biblically based? The other side is the Holy Spirit. So, when we go to look at the Bible, and we look through this lens of the Bible, we see that it's biblical. We know that it's biblically based. We follow what Scripture says. The other side is the Holy Spirit. It's okay with the Bible, but is it okay with the Holy Spirit? If you feel this tug of no, then it's no. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you and having you stepping away. Even if it's biblically based, the Holy Spirit is pulling you away from whatever decision he is wanting, that you are wanting to make. But if you feel this overwhelming sense of joy and peace and the doors are just flying open, run through them as quickly as you can. That is the Holy Spirit dragging you and pulling you through this great decision. There's also another side to this. You have this fork in the road, and you're going down each decision. Both both places are biblically based. You know that you can go down either road, and it's going to be good, and it's going to be fruitful. But you don't know which one to make. And honestly, you feel nothing inside. You don't feel the Holy Spirit pulling you one way or the other. I'm going to tell you something from the bottom of my heart. Congratulations, you won't go wrong. You decide which one you want to go on. The Holy Spirit has granted you peace and understanding that either way is going to be good. 
If you feel that nothingness inside of you, and you feel like, oh God, I don't, I don't understand what's going on, that God is granting you the understanding that you can choose either side, and you can go down it, and he's going to, he's going to bless either path. You know, you get these, you get these testimonies. I, I, I'm asking God, but I don't, he's not responding to me. If he's not responding to you, he's giving you a yes, or you're not in the Bible. It's either a yes, or you haven't studied scripture long enough to understand, to make that kind of decision, that it may not be biblically based. You know, I tell the teenagers that if you want to make a decision, and I'm telling you as a person to jump off of a mountain, that's not biblically based. Don't go jump off of a mountain. But the thing is, is that I'm telling them, I'm guiding them, and our slogan is, is that I'm preparing you for the next chapter of your life, and I want every decision that you make to be based biblically. So we follow the footsteps of Christ. But here's the key word to this, okay? The word abide, okay? That's another word that the disciples will understand. Because abide is actually a fishing term in their, in their day, which means to keep between the channels. As you keep between the channels and you abide in this stream, which is the will of God, God is going to bless this time with you. For our analogy, you stay between the lines and God is going to bless you. You know, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to step in the footsteps of Christ because that's perfection. And God understands that. So he gives you grace. As you keep between the channels, and you may make a mistake here or there, but you know that if you keep going and you abide in his love, God is going to bless you forgive you, you repent of that, and you keep moving on. Because God has blessing you in that direction. Keep between the lines. Keep between the channels. And God is going to bless you. Follow that analogy that God is going to give you. Keep between the lines. You know, there's a wonderful book out there called The Insanity of God. Pastor Steve, have you read it? Oh, you should. It's amazing. Nick Ripkin, it's not his real name, but it's an amazing name that he came up with. He says this in his book, and I can't read it on the back screen, so I'm going to turn around. He says, what happened to me that night was both unsettling and unexpected. For the longest time, I had wanted nothing more than to to be a veterinarian. And my limited experience of serving God was what preachers did. Now it seemed that God wanted me to do that. You know, his dad took him, Nick talks about in this book that his dad took him out of baseball and got him a job at a, uh, at a cheese factory. And in this time, his, his job was to sit back in the very back corner and to, to pull a lever and then stop a lever if they got built up so much. He worked on this conveyor belt line, but he was over there by himself. And he worked that job his junior and senior year. And as it was time, he was three months away from going off to the University of Kentucky to study veterinarian, to be studied to be a veterinarian, he felt this calling that God was calling him into doing something different. He knew that this was not what he originally planned, and his mom and dad were very clear in this book that they were very proud of him that he was going to study veterinarian, to be a veterinarian. But God called him on that night to be something very different, something that he had not even planned, had no experience of other than what he saw preachers do on Sunday mornings. And as he goes on in this book, he became a preacher, and then he became a missionary. 
And then he became a lifelong missionary, and he would go into the deepest, darkest corners of our world, which are filled with hate and depression. He actually saw a child one time carrying a bomb in his hands. And at any second, it could have gone off. He went into the depravity of this world, and he came out alive to tell this story. God had called him out of that place where he was going to be comfortable and put him somewhere to where he was going to have to trust and lean on God. Here's the other side of that. What I was talking about earlier, when it says abide between the lines, and you have to make the decision whether or not this place may be biblical or not, sometimes God's going to call you past that point. Sometimes God is going to call you to a point that may not be so biblical because you're going to be the shining light to the people there. Nick, his job was to go in and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and also prepare a way for other missionaries to come into these places and to teach and to disciple and to spread. Sometimes it may not look pretty. Sometimes it may not look biblical. But if your faith and your love for Christ is producing much fruit, God is going to continue to test you, to move you out of your comfort zones. When was the last time God called you out of your comfort zone? When was the last time God stepped you beyond your comfort boundary into a place that's so unknown to you that you have no experience in it and the only thing that you have to rely on is a limited amount of knowledge on what you're doing and faith sunday school teachers i'm going to talk to you again one more time when was the last time we sent somebody out of our sunday school class to start another sunday school class when was the last time that we sent a missionary out of our sunday school class and they and that's what their calling was, and because it was a cultivation from the fruit you produced in your class. If that has not happened in a while in your class, if you've not had a time to where you have been able to plan an outreach to our community, and that you worked it up and you planned it in your Sunday school class, they cultivated the ground and they went outside of these walls, and they produced the fruit in this community, then I strongly suggest that you pray over the next few months because hey, we have a brand new year coming up. And that you challenge yourself this next year to do one of those three things. That you pour into relationships to say, Father, send me the next missionary. I want to build that relationship with them. Send me the next Sunday school teacher. I want to build the relationship with them. So our, and our class is going to grow so much over the next year that the following year we have to split our classes up because we're growing at a phenomenal rate. And we want to produce fruit in our church. We want to grow and be uncomfortable in our church because we want to see lives changed. We have a common goal, and as, 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 we have this common goal and this interest of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I beg of you to pray that God will leave this on your heart, that He will challenge you over the next year 
That you will pray for that next missionary. That you will pray for the next Sunday school team, next Sunday school person. People that sat in those Sunday school times. I pray that you will decide to come up to me and say, hey, I want to mentor one of your students. They're amazing. They're awesome. And I want to get to know each and every one of them. Please give me one so I can take them out to coffee every once in a while. I want to pour into relationships. I want to grab one of our, our, our young adults because I have some experience in being a young adult. And I want to pour into their lives to where they produce the fruit of Jesus Christ because I have abided in his love. I know what that sweet, tender, amazing love looks like each and every day that he has provided me some grace when I have failed, but he has rejoiced with me whenever I've had victories and he's lifted me up when I wasn't producing anything. I want to pour back into the people that are younger than me First Baptist Church, when was the last time we daily, weekly prayed for our pastor? When was the last time that we continually, each and every single day, not just when we thought about it on Sunday mornings, but when we woke up and did our quiet time, we said, Lord Jesus, you please be with Steve today. He's going through a lot. Please be with Miss Debbie. She's an amazing person. She's going through a lot. When was the last time you cracked open your journal and you said there was somebody in my Sunday school group that was going through a hard time? Lord, I want to send them a text message today. I want to give them a call. Maybe I need to take a cake over to their house and just listen for just a little bit. We stepped out of our comfort zone because that is what produces fruit. That is what it means to really step out and walk this line. Because Nick wasn't ready to go on and be a preacher. He was ready to be a veterinarian. And yet he wrote this amazing book that tells us about the depravity of this world. And he was the shining light. Our world is getting worse. And we're comfortable about it. There is no desperations in Christians anymore. There's only comfortability. There is no understanding that I have got to have this hunger and thirst for righteousness and that I have my Bible each and every single day and I'm going to memorize 35 verses this year and each of them have to do with depression because whenever God brings me that person that is that is hurting in that fashion I've got verses in my mind that the Holy Spirit is going to bring out we abide in Christ and his love when we do that, we will abide with others. The word abide means to continue or to remain. We remain in Jesus. And when you have a person on your heart, you're going to remain with them. Because your fruit is going to produce that. Don't get caught up in the comforts of this world to only lose your soul get uncomfortable it's a brand new year and I pray that you take me up on those challenges I'm going to have to find me some challenges of myself God is going to lay on my heart a brand new theme I know it so I pray that you will do the same 
Thank you again for listening to today's message. Join us again next week as Pastor Steve will deliver another message from God. For more information and previous sermons, please check out our website at shakotafbc.com or you can download our church app today at churchapp-tithely.